You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode Nine, The Mandalorian, uh, Clone Wars Resistance, and all the other awesome upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up, Kyle? This one kind of feels like one of our older episodes where we got a lot of variety of topics to talk about where it's not just the TV news or movie news. We got both of those. We got some video game news, theme park news. So there's a lot of stuff going on on this one, which I'm excited to talk about. Sup star warriors. And, uh, yeah, 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 guys, we had a lot to talk about. There's lots of, it feels like there's lots of little things to talk about. Nothing mm-hmm. like gigantic that we could like spend five hours talking about, but I feel like we could spend five hours talking about a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. So strap yourselves in. Yeah, we'll see how long this one goes, because, yeah, like you said, we got a lot of little topics to discuss, um, but we've got some casting news uh, that's exciting. Um, we've got some, you know, some speculation and some rumors and stuff to get to, um, and, of course, some Battlefront to talk about, too. I forgot to mention that in, you know, in, in the uh, the category of exciting Star Wars uh, projects that we always mentioned at the beginning there, because um, we're always big fans of that on the show, too, so... Um, but yeah, let's jump right in. And actually, we've got some movie rumors and stuff to talk about a little bit later. But we're actually going to start off with TV news, um, since that's where we've got some actual uh, semi-official news um, to talk about this week. Um, and that is that we've got our first casting announcements for The Mandalorian. Um, and before we get into these, I just want to sort of um, you know, put an asterisk on it and say, like, none of these have been confirmed by Lucasfilm, at least to my knowledge. Like, they still haven't put out a press release saying, like, here's the cast of the show or anything like that. Um, but these are also not just, like, secondhand rumors. Like, this is all stuff that's being reported by, you know, the usual reputable um, Hollywood trade sites like Variety and Hollywood Reporter and stuff like that. Um, so the first report is that, uh, Pedro Pascal, who I think most of us probably, um, best know as his role as Oberyn Martell on Game of Thrones, um, has supposedly been cast as the lead character in The Mandalorian. Um, so again, we don't know who that main character is exactly, except that he is the Mandalorian. Um, and so apparently this is going to be him under the helmet, um, 
which is a you know kind of different than I expected. Um, but I mean, I don't really know who I expected to be under there. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I like his character on Game of Thrones and, uh, you know, hopefully this ends better for him, but, um, <laughs> better not toy with his opponents on this series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't get cocky. Um, but yeah, what'd you guys think? I think this is a pretty interesting casting choice. No. Yeah. I think this is a cool casting choice as well. I mean, like you said, we really didn't know what to expect when the, they would announce who the main character was going to be. But he is a good actor. Like you said, I've only seen him in Game of Thrones. I haven't seen him t too much really in anything else. But he did give a great performance on that. Like he was a charismatic character on there. I don't know if the Mandalorian is going to be that way. Probably not if he's being more described as a loner and kind of like that old West Gunslinger type character. So maybe not too much with that. But still, I'm expecting a great performance from him. And um, he knows how to, like you're talking about, joking around with that big action sequence he had when he was fighting the mountain in Game of Thrones and how that went. But he also could, you know, handle a weapon pretty good as he displayed on, on that episode as well. So it should be cool for him to see in his acting chops and able to handle the action pretty well too. So yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to, you know, getting, because right, I'm pretty much taking this as an official announcement, even though it's not from uh, like starwars.com or anything, it will eventually, but I'm just looking forward to getting that first shot of him mm -hmm. in the suit where he's just, you know, holding that Mandalorian helmet in his arms and need to see him in his full getup. It's going to be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. How do we know that's not him in the suit now, that picture? Well, I was going to bring that up because the when this report came out, I mean, obviously we had already gotten that report with the official synopsis when we got that first official photo. Um, and, but, you know, then this report came out a few weeks later and was saying that he's been offered the role and that negotiations are underway. At least that's what Variety is saying. Now, I don't know if this is old information, um, but here's, the, well, here's the thing though, uh, you know, that still that they released, I mean, he's head to toe in that Mandalorian armor. So that really could be anybody in that shot. Like that could just be, you know, a production still that they took to just show off that armor and make the announcement. Um, Heck, maybe they had even started, you know, shooting some scenes and some footage where maybe there's a stunt double in the armor or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't know who who's to say if that was actually him back then or not. Um, but regardless, that, uh, you know, seems like that's where we're at right now. So, well, to me, this casting is very interesting because he's. We're not really well. Kyle, you might be a little bit more in a film than 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 Tim and I because you went to school for it and you have a, a talent with it. Whereas me and Tim probably stick to more of like I don't know whatever. We I just I just don't venture out anymore. I used to when I was younger trying to see our house films and I got bored and I went back just watching Star Wars and comic book movies all the time. But anyway, um, there, the reason I bring that up is because there's a series on Netflix called Narcos and I'm not sure if you've seen this, but he's on that as well. And, um, apparently that's like supposed to be really, really good. And I, I've never seen it. I'll be honest. I'll probably never see it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, um, he was on game of Thrones and he had a very, <clears throat> excuse me. He had a very small role or, uh, I'll say limited role. We'll just leave it at that on the show. And, um, but he made a huge, made his presence, uh, felt, in a yeah. short amount of time and it had some great performances in it. And I have to say that I'm really excited to see him in this. There's a video, a fan, not a fan video, a video he made of himself of him with his kids 
and he, I think it's after or before he saw either The Force Awakens or some Star Wars movie he just recently saw, because it's him going bomb, 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 and he's like, <laughs> and he's, and he's kind of, he's, he kind of spitting around with the phone, like singing it with his kids around him. I, I'm assuming are his kids, and um, he looks, he just, you can tell he's hyped. Either he just saw Star Wars or he's about to see Star Wars. So there's, there's a. a there's a passion for Star Wars there, even if it's just a very modest passion. It's a passion there, and I think anyone would agree that if you're if you you want the people who are in Star Wars to, to actually feel excited about being in it, not just another job. It's like yeah. it's an extra umph. I mean, mm-hmm. face it, people. These people, this is their job. This is how they make money. This is how they're going to retire, send their kids to college. You know, have nice houses. Like this is what they do for a living. But it's always nice to have that extra, like, I'm really excited to go to work. Just like how, you know, you, you if you love what you do, it's the same thing. Like, they're going to be in a Star Wars project. They're really excited. So it's really exciting to see that, like, this is what he, you know, you could, you could tell it just because this video, I'm assuming, was made for uh, one of the recent three recent Star Wars films. He's excited to be playing Star Wars. So um, it's really exciting. Um I think he's a great actor. A little again, he's great in Game of Thrones. I think he's gonna bring a gravitas to the character, and it's we're in for a treat. So I I think it's just great news. He also has a great voice too, which will sound cool under that helmet, mm-hmm. <laughs> like with the cool filter that we always hear with Star Wars characters and helmets. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I mean I haven't seen him in that Narco series that you're talking about, but um. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, he's great on Game of Thrones. And it, it is always awesome to have people involved in Star Wars who are enthusiastic about Star Wars, just like you were talking about. I mean, you think of like uh, Diego Luna, who is kind of the same way. And he's talked about how yeah. he loves playing Cassian because like his kids get really into it. Um, or John Boyega, who's like out on Twitter, you know, talking about Battlefront and trying to get Dice to make a single player campaign and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it just adds that extra level of. Uh, you know, sort of it, like it's cool when you can enjoy something and know that the people involved in making it enjoy it just as much as you do and, you know, don't see it as, you know, just a job to get a paycheck. Um, so, yeah, that's that's going to be uh, really cool to see him in that role. Um, and then we got a couple other uh, casting announcements as well. Um, and that is that uh, Gina Carano and Nick Nolte have also joined the cast um, in undisclosed roles. So, um and they're both, wow. you know, what? No, no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I apologize, Cal. Oh, no problem. Um, no, and, you know, obviously these guys are both uh, well-known actors. I mean, Nick, Nick Nolte's been in a lot of stuff. Gina Carano, I think, started as like an MMA fighter, and she's, you know, one of those mm-hmm. athletes that's transitioned into, uh, you know, kind of an action star, and she's been in uh, Deadpool and the Fast and Furious movies and stuff. So, um you know, I think that'll be cool to see. I mean, I'm sure she's going to definitely have, you know, an action heavy kind of role um, to, you know, make use of her talents. And that'll be cool to see. And then Nick Nolte, you know, is a pretty versatile like character actor. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, to you know, what are, I have a couple of comments on these, these both these actors. And with Gina Carano, I'm going to say that she's in Deadpool. She doesn't have very many lines for a reason. She she's does the actor. superhero she, landing. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So she, and again, it's nothing against her as an actress, but it's mainly we 
she's she's there for for obviously for more of the grunt work for some action scenes and and things like that there's nothing wrong with that so that's that's interesting um i'm i'm wondering what what that means exactly what you know what exactly she's gonna play it's kind of fascinating uh with nick nolte that dude's insane like <laughs> straight up uh, have you ever seen the ang lee 2003 hulk movie like nick nolte basically just plays himself and isn't literally insane and <laughs> um and like turns into a cloud at the very end and it's very interesting um, i do not and- remember that Oh, you you don't want to remember it. Uh, <laughs> it's that whole movie is atrocious. There's, to it, this day, I've like, never seen it. I consider myself oh, really? a big comic book movie fan, but I've never seen the Hulk movie. I, I just heard such bad reactions to it when it first came out. <laughs> See, I saw it as a it's, kid. I was only like twelve when that came out, so I saw it. I just don't remember it very well. Well, you probably probably because you're traumatized for how weird and dumb it was, but. Um, <laughs> but but it, I was traumatized. I, I had an anxiety attack when I first saw that movie, but that's a whole other story. Um, so anyway, as I was saying, um, yeah, Nick Nolte's insane, but he's a great actor. So I'm actually really excited to see what he'll be playing. And is he going to play some like grizzled warrior? You know, I mean, it would make sense if he was. So, uh, cause he looks awesome. I mean, he looks like he's homeless and insane cause he is probably all those things, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm really excited what Gina will do. I'm assuming she'll have some really, really awesome like part where she'll be just be breaking people's backs probably like Bane. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, there's, there's really cool things going on in this series. I mean, this is only the tip of the iceberg. I bet, I bet there's, you know, we got obviously the, all the, uh, what's it called directors and there's lots of crazy stuff going on there, but we've got, you know, there's more casting announcements. I mean, there's, this is the only three of they're trickled out. And again, I have gone back and, you know, I've said this before another podcast, my other star Wars podcast, blaster cannon, check it out. Hear me twice. Never, never a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but like what I've said was this move, this show has been the movie. This show has been filming since what August and these people haven't been announced. I mean, come on people. Like, this thing's been done. This has been done probably pretty much casting wise, but it's just trickling out now because people are starting to see, you know, ex, you know, because they're, they're filming more scenes. They just haven't announced everything all at once. It's obvious because, yeah. well, this just keep in mind, though, you know, they've done this with some of the movies where they'll start shooting like B, uh, B unit or whatever they call it. Um, you know, sort of just getting some initial shots and stuff before the sort of principal photography begins. And usually that's when they make the big casting announcement. Like for uh, The Last Jedi, like they were filming all the Octo stuff in Ireland with like just Ray and Luke. And like they were doing all that stuff, you know, I think like the the same year that The Force Awakens came out or something. Um, and, you know, that was all done like before they sort of made the official announcement about the start of filming and the new cast members and all that kind of stuff. So... You know, the the stuff that we already knew they were filming could have just been some early stuff. You know, it could have been test footage. It could have been, you know, just kind of a side unit or whatever. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, well, the reason why I say that, Kyle, is because this show, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm pretty sure is going to launch with the Disney streaming service and it's going to and it's going to launch in 2019. Right. At, like next year, you know, so. No, that I don't some- doubt. 
So reason why I say that they this is already a done deal, like this, this, this is the only the reason we have casting now is because for what I don't know why they haven't announced the casting, but they're filming now because they've got to get this thing out. And mm-hmm. that's why you've seen Dave Filoni there multiple days and Taika Waititi, he filmed, he's already, it's already, this is why I know it's not just being at footage because they've already got, um, Taika on set directing and he's mm-hmm. like, it's reportedly the last episode. So, um, no, and I, I don't doubt. It, like, obviously now, like they're well underway on production, and even sure. like for the past okay. few okay. weeks, I'm I'm more talking about maybe like when the when that first announcement came out, um, and they maybe released that right. first still. Like that could have yeah. been some early stuff, but yeah, no, you're right. Like since then, obviously things have gotten well underway. Um, yeah, I also just, I think, just maybe I'm just thinking it's hard to sort of keep a tight lid on like the beginning of production on a Star Wars project, but maybe it's easier in TV than it is in movies. Yeah, maybe it is, but I've heard from other podcasts I've listened to that this is not a very well kept secret hmm. on in LA for the Mandalorian. So, but maybe it's still being closed off, and then maybe they're just they don't know who's part of the a part of it until someone shows up on set. Maybe they've already you know there hasn't been a lot of well known names on the show that we know that are worth casting about or whatever. But. I don't. I refuse to believe that. I'm sure there's a. There's mostly. It's mostly soundstage shooting that you know they're doing. So mm-hmm. that they they don't have like, you know. No offense, Jason, for making Star Wars, but having you guys patrol and and looking out and everything. So, you know, I, that's what I think. I think they're they're probably have already cast this thing. It's already pretty much done as far as casting wise. But they just because they're on a soundstage and and they've kept it under lock and key, at least for that much. It's, you know, but yeah, I think this is going to be exciting. I think this casting we've gotten from Nolte and Pascal, especially this really cool stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, the Mandalorian, I'll be honest, I'm probably just looking forward to this as much as I am episode nine. If not, maybe, maybe a tad more, just, but I don't know. We'll have to see a trailer for episode nine, the Mandalorian, which I assume we'll all get at celebration. Yeah. I said it might be the same day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it won't be the same day. It'll be same weekend, but not same day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, probably right. Again, my, my, my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but, but yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that it's going to be what's going to happen. And I think that there's, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there. I could definitely fall in love with the, the, the Mandalorian more than episode nine, but yet again, and yet I you call me this. crazy for being more excited about the siege of Mandalore. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it's an animation. I feel like the Mandalorians is a big deal because this is arguably the, the future of star Wars right here is in, in, in the Mandalorian. And I think that's how this is, how well this is made and how this is received will be how probably star Wars goes in the future for the most part, in my opinion. I, and I've I've gone won't go on a tangent again. Like I'll have for a while, but that's just yeah, that's just what I think. We'll see. Yeah, no, well, I think you're probably right too. <laughs> yeah, and and as we've said, you know, regardless of which project you're most excited for, I cannot wait till celebration next year when we get our first glimpses of all this stuff. Um, because yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're getting our first trailer for episode nine, we're getting a trailer for the Mandalorian, and we're getting a trailer for Clone Wars. Um, you know, all during yeah, that weekend so 
like our opinion is going to be all over the place. Like I have a feeling it's going to be whatever we see that day is going to be the greatest thing ever. Like episode nine blows everything away. Exactly. No, wait, the Mandalorian, Mandalorian looks like the best thing ever. No, wait, this Clone Wars stuff looks amazing. Even regardless of animation, it looks like the best Star Wars ever. So it's going to be probably all over the place, which is going to be awesome and lots of fun. So yeah, we'll worry about that once we do our celebration recap episodes as far as what looks the best and what we're most excited for that year. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we move on from this, I have to throw out just one crazy, like not even a theory, just an idea that crossed my mind and see what you guys okay. think about this. We had talked about previously, you know, obviously kind of the elephant in the room, like what if the Mandalorian is Boba Fett? Um, mm -hmm. Now we know that Pedro Pascal is playing the main character. He's obviously not Tamara Morrison, doesn't really look like Tamara Morrison, but in my opinion, he does look like he could play an old Daniel Logan, if that makes sense. Hmm. I kind of see what you mean there, but yeah, at the same time, that would still make sense for me because we know what Boba Fett looks like when he's going to grow up, like Django Fett. <laughs> and he would be pretty much, I think Timmy Morrison would be the right age to be at Boba Fett during that point. So it would be, I don't know kind of something where I could see it making sense from, like you said, the actor standpoint of it, where it looked like Daniel Logan, but from the Star Wars in-universe uh, point of view from it, I don't think it'd work at all, to be honest. It'd be, I'd be scratching my head thinking, why wouldn't they just go with Tim Morrison if that's the case? But yeah, something to think about, but I don't think that's going to be where he's playing Boba Fett, even though yeah, they might similar looks to Daniel Logan. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Tim on this one. I, I don't think, I think it's a whole new character. And I think it has to be a whole new character, to be mm -hmm. honest. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you guys on that, too. Like I said, that was just kind of like a eh, what if kind of thing that crossed my mind. But I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's a new character um, just because, I mean, this seems like this seems like a similar situation to what we what I initially thought we were going to have with like Savage Press and the Clone Wars, where it was like, OK, they're not bringing Darth Maul back, but they're like sort of giving us like a replacement Darth Maul for all the people that like Darth Maul and wanted to see more of him. Like we've got another dark side, you know, Zabrak with a double bladed lightsaber who's going to like kind of go off and become his own character. And then they brought back Darth Maul anyways. But I mean, I feel like this is kind of what this is supposed to be. It's like it's not the Boba Fett movie or a Boba Fett series, but it's like a new Mandalorian character. And we get to kind of see some of those adventures that a lot of people wanted to see with Boba Fett. So um, yeah. but I'm totally fine with it being, you know, its own thing, his own character and, uh, getting to, you know, create some exciting new part of the Star Wars mythology. Yeah. Having said all that though, I, there's still a part of me that firmly believes we will see Boba Fett in this series at some point, whether it's, you know, not even season one, but maybe in season two or future seasons, I think he's going to show up eventually in here. I just That's that true. Too. I mean, keep in mind, they have Dave Filoni, you know, as, one of the directors and producers on this thing. And if anybody knows how to work in cameos and appearances from classic characters and yeah, stuff, he's the king true. of that. Yeah. Like we were talking about our last episode too, as disappointed as we were, that looks like the Boba Fett movie isn't going to be made for anytime soon or in the foreseeable future. I just have a feeling that character is still someone, there are those in Lucasfilm that want to have them used and get the Boba Fett back into you know, live action Star Wars again. And I think this could be the route that, you know, maybe they start with first, just having him appear in a few episodes here and there in The Mandalorian or have his character be a major 
focal point in the second season or something like that. I just have a feeling now that that movie's off the table for the foreseeable future, Boba Fett. Will, I think what I'd like to see, and I think the next logical step would be to get him incorporated in one of these live action TV series. Yeah, I think that would be a good way to go too. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, like you said, it might not be, you know, right off the bat, but that's definitely a possibility in here at some point. Um, but let's move on from the casting news. And, um, we've got, um, actually some reports from making Star Wars to go over. I haven't really talked about stuff from them in a while, but, um, there's a couple here also relating to the Mandalorian, um, one of which involves some leaked set photos that seem to... Uh, and before we go into this, you know, again, got to throw out the obligatory spoiler warning, even though these are not huge spoilers. But, you know, as always, if you don't want to know anything and you want to really go into this fresh, um, you know, then maybe uh, you might want to skip ahead a bit. But, um, you know, these are some of these are kind of more spoilers speculation based um like i said other in in this report right here we've actually got some leaked set photos um that seem to confirm that we will actually be seeing a return of death troopers in uh, the mandalorian yes. <laughs> because they've got a photo of a set that kind of looks like tatooine um and somebody you know managed to sneak a shot of some extras uh in stormtrooper armor standing around probably in between takes they've all got their helmets off but there's a couple of regular stormtroopers and then a guy in between them that is you know a good head taller than the other guys and wearing black armor so uh you know unless it's some new type of trooper it definitely seems to fit the bill of what we know of death troopers so um tim i'm sure you were excited to see that again uh to quote palpatine from the phantom menace a surprise to be sure, but a local one. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Palpatine and endless Star Wars memes on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know why I didn't really think about Death Trooper showing up in The Mandalorian. I mean, it makes sense that they would, though. But for some reason, I thought maybe it's because it's more closest to Return of the Jedi than a New Hope Rogue One Rebels time frame, which we've only seen Death Troopers in so far. But, of course, it, it makes sense to think they were there throughout the course of the lifespan of the empire in the original trilogy and of course thereafter once the empire falls after the battle of jakku and mendor but i don't know i think it's going to be really cool to see him back in action in live action again and i would look curious to see how again probably not going to go too much in depth to why uh, the death troopers are in this series so there's probably going to be a squad that the mandalorian might run into or they're called in uh so whatever how many are left but i think it would be interesting to know just what kind of their role is now that the empire has fallen if there's still that you know special squad unit and that team that only goes for the really hard mission or are they just out there now kind of out in the wild where maybe you don't get a squadron of them and maybe this is just one death trooper who's remaining and is mixing it up with some other stormtroopers that are still around with the empire so i think it's gonna be interesting to see um just how many we're gonna see and how they're used if it Maybe it's going to be the same, or I'm just thinking it could be a little different now since it's taking place after Return of the Jedi and the Empire is kind of scrambling a bit after that. So I'm just excited to see them, though, no doubt. Getting to see that awesome armor in live action again is going to be great. Um, you know, I'm wondering if this is going to be Dave Filoni's episode he's having with the Death Troopers, having to use them in Rebels. If that's the case, I just hope they're handled better than they were in Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way this being like typical stormtroopers in that series. So if they're going to be, you know, seeing them again, 
in battle with stormtroopers. I just hope they show why uh, they are the superior troopers and standard stormtroopers. But I'm just gonna be excited to see. I mean, talk about whatever scene they're in. If they're hopefully they're with, it's an action sequence with the Mandalorian. Just talk about a bunch of cool looking helmets and armor on screen at one time, man. <laughs> you get death trooper helmets. Classic Stormtrooper helmets, Mandalorian helmets all together in one shot. Man, it's going to be awesome. So I can't wait. This is really cool to see. And I'm just anxious to see, you know, a fully released shot or that they appear in the trailer or whatnot. Seeing those awesome bit of black armor again is going to be so cool. So, yeah, this is really exciting for me, as you can tell. (laughs) Well, this is something that, you know, I I was very surprised, like what Tim would say, uh, you know, a but a welcome one. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't, I, I'm kind of curious what this means. I'm re- I really want to know what these death troopers and the stormtroopers are doing and how, what it, exactly are the, is the empire's role in this new yeah. series? Because, you know, is this the outskirts where the empire still has, you know, this is like during the battle. Of, you know, it's after the battle of Jakku. So what exactly are these like people who are working for maybe a, a mob boss on the, on this on the planet or something? So yeah, they could be. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm I'm with right now. So I'm more intrigued of what they are. It's like okay, but like it's it's whatever. It makes sense because here's the thing: you've got stormtrooper armor already. You've got death trooper armor already. So might as well use it, right? So mm. uh, that's kind of how I feel. It's like I don't. I highly doubt, like, when they wrote this, they oh, we got to put Death Troopers in here. It's like, you know, we should probably put some Death Troopers. It's kind of like, you know, we have it lying around, kind of, you know, sell some stuff, you know. I don't know. It just feels, I, 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 I want, no offense, Tim, sorry to break it to you, or, you know, to kind of predict a uh, predict Uh-oh. this, but I, I just don't think they're going to, it's going to be that big of a deal. They're probably going to be in it for a couple minutes, and then they'll be done. Yeah, you're you know, you're probably right about that, and I shouldn't get my expectations way overboard. This isn't the Death Trooper live-action series. <laughs> They're oh, probably just, gosh. like I said, it just might be one trooper who's a Death Trooper. You make a good point, too, or maybe they're not even with the Empire anymore. They're just some troopers and one Death Trooper who are, now that the Empire has fallen, they're just looking for some work, but they still got their armor, so maybe they are working for a local know crime lord on this planet or whatnot and they end Mm -hmm. up going against the mandalorian but they're just happening to be still have their armor still so yeah i I agree with you there where it's it's going to be interesting to see you know just what the role the empire is going to play overall in this if you're still feeling their presence or it's mainly you just see them reeling and scrambling on what they're going to do in this corner of the galaxy where the mandalorian is going to take place so but regardless further how long a death trooper or death troopers are in it it's going to be great just seeing that armor again. <laughs> like I said, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to savor it no matter how long or short. <laughs> yeah, how, how about this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you really, really happy, Tim. Thinking about Death Troopers and a certain other TV series called the Cassian Andor series. Ooh, you're, you're not wrong there. Yeah, well, That's true. <laughs> this could just be the tip of the iceberg for Death Trooper appearances in Star Wars TV shows. So uh, that is a very good point. Yeah, I want to throw it out there. I mean, I think regardless, um, I mean, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity to see them in both series, especially now that you know, like you said, Paul, they're just kind of like an established part of the canon of the Empire now. Um, you know, you have these characters, might, might as well use them like as part of the Imperial forces. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be cool just to see them again. But also, I think it is going to be really cool to see. Um, however, the show chooses to explore, you know, sort of what happened to the Empire, um, 
after Return of the Jedi and after the Battle of Jakku, and whether these guys are actually part of like an Imperial remnant or whether they're just, you know, former stormtroopers that are like, oh, okay, what do we do with our lives now? Um, you know, obviously the show is going to be mainly focused on the Mandalorian, but just the fact that, you know, the Empire is still part of this galaxy and seeing um, how they're affected by all these events that are going on and that have gone on, um, I think is going to be just one more reason to get excited for this show and one, uh, you know, a cool thing it's going to bring to the table. Yeah, because when you think about it, what you think about the Cassian Andor series, that would be the first one you, I would think where the Death Troopers would show up. But the fact that they're already going to be in the first show, The Mandalorian, I mean, that's just even better. But I do think mm -hmm. that is makes sense where they'll probably maybe even show up in both. So here's hoping that that is the case. Yeah, for sure. I would not complain if they're in both. And I know nope. you'd be super happy. Um, but the other report from Making Star Wars that we've got to talk about in regards to The Mandalorian... Um, and this was interesting. There was a, uh, a user on Star Wars Leaks, I think, which is a, a subreddit, I guess, or, you know, a Star Wars section on Reddit. Um, and there's a user on there who reportedly was like at like a Disney, some shareholder meeting or like marketing presentation or something where they talked about some of their upcoming projects. Um, and this is the kind of like he said, she said kind of reports that we don't usually get into, but I've heard this stuff being reported by a lot of different news sites and apparently making Star Wars kind of verified it with their own sources. So we're going to talk about this a little bit in regards to the Mandalorian, um, even though there were some other details um, from that meeting as well in regards to like the Jedi Fallen Order game and some other stuff. Um, but specifically in regards to the Mandalorian, they were kind of talking about um, the... Uh, sort of the main plot of the show, or at least what's going to be sort of like a driving central theme through it. And um, it sounds like at the very beginning of the show, um, again, you know, not necessarily a huge spoiler because this is going to, you know, I'm sure once they release an official synopsis or a trailer or something, we'll find this out. But, you know, in case you want to go in completely unspoiled, be warned. Um, they're saying that kind of the, the kickoff, I guess, of the show is that the Mandalorian is... Um, you know, basically assigned to kill someone, finds out it's a baby, and instead of killing the baby, ends up saving it and kind of taking this child under his wing. Um, and that the show um, revolves around, you know, the growing relationship between the Mandalorian and this child that he's protecting. Um, and then they also talk about rumors that, you know, this could be like a potential heir to Mandalore or something like that. Um, and that could be, you know, why the Mandalorian has to protect this kid and why other bounty hunters and stuff are out after him. So, um, definitely not what I was expecting as far as like maybe a main plot synopsis, but I think that leads to a lot of, um, you know, interesting potential storylines and definitely, um, some new and unconventional things that we maybe haven't really seen before, especially in the context of a show like this. You know, th that almost sounds like something that they would do on Clone Wars, where, you know, like the Clone Wars movie, Anakin and Ahsoka have to protect a baby, uh, you know, baby hut from the Separatists and stuff. But um, to see that, you know, in, the, in a live action show with a Mandalorian warrior, like I said, was not really what I was expecting, but I was like, huh, they could do some interesting stuff with that. So I don't know, what do you guys think? I think that it's, it's very, I don't want to say tropish, but and not in a bad way, but like, I think it's very, you know, the wise, you know, or the warrior taking care of like the young child, you know, think of the Leon, the professional, think of, you know, Wolf and Cub, 
um, lone wolf and cub, excuse me, um, different things like that. It's, it's, it's a very traditional, like what storytelling or a story kind of, uh, theme or trope or whatever you want to say. And I think it, it works for star Wars. We haven't really had that necessarily. And I think that if that's the story, then I'm all about it. I mean, I'm really curious what they're going to do with, with this story and what, and again, go back to John Favreau having this idea for a long time. And the fact that he was inspired to write the story is really fascinating to me. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious of where, where exactly it wouldn't surprise me if he borrows a lot from it. Cause that's what George did in, in, in all star Wars is it's, it's just basic storytelling, yeah. you know, from other ideas and themes that are explored in, in a galaxy far, far away. It's not meant to be groundbreaking, in a story aspect, <clears throat> Ryan Johnson, um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but whatever, I mean, I like last Jedi. I just, I just, we'll, we'll get, we'll talk about last Jedi some other time. Um, but, <laughs> but like, no, it, it's, it would actually line up really well with the last Jedi or excuse me with uh, star Wars, because if it did do that, that whole theme idea. So I'm, I'm interested in what they're going to do and you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I, I like it so far what we've heard. Yeah, I kind of felt that pretty similar to what you were feeling about it, Paul, where it is something we've seen before in stories, but at the same time, we haven't really seen it in Star Wars, which I think could be a really compelling story as well. And you brought up Clone Wars, the movie, Kyle, about you know Ahsoka and Anakin having to protect uh, Jabba the Hutt's son. I'm blanking on his name right now, except I know Ahsoka called him Stinky throughout the most of the movie. But Yeah, I think it's uh, Rhoda. Rudo? Oh, Rhoda, that's it. Okay. But, you know, that was mainly more on, like, a mission to get him back, and they really didn't have too much of a connection with it. But with something like this and what's being described here, as far as, you know, being, you know, someone that was supposed to kill, but then he finds out, ends up saving it, caring for it. And the part that I find interesting is that how, in the description, it brings out how, you know, one of the focal points of the series will be about their growing a relationship and his efforts to keep the child safe. And I think that could be pretty cool even in the course of this first season of the Mandalorian, maybe he's someone who's never like loved anybody, had no family. And this is kind of his first chance to show that he could be, you know, have someone to love and protect. But what I think would be interesting and depending if they decide to go that way is if in later seasons, if it goes on, will they age the character up? If the baby's, you know, assumingly, let's say he does his job and protects the baby and it survives and, you know, we see a, the child as in someone older, like maybe around three or four or five, that, you know, younger age. And we see that relationship progress even further. I think that could be a pretty cool potential to have the series go on and really get, you know, kind of invested with these two characters in the relationship that they can have. And maybe each season, uh, the character who starts off as a baby jumps in age a little bit. Or, or maybe they'll decide to keep it as a kid throughout the rest of the series. But I think it would be neat to see some type of growth where it's not just him protecting a baby for all, the most of this series' entire run. I think that could be cool, but at the same time, I could also think it could be a totally different plot scenario and by each, every season will be different. Well, this season will just be where he protects the baby, he does his job, and if it does end up being like the heir to the throne of Mandalore, um, I could definitely see that being the case where his job is to get you know, the baby right uh, back to Mandalore, back to it. Maybe its family has been wiped out, but it is the one true heir to the throne. And that's the whole premise of the first season. And once he accomplishes that, that's it for that character and that plot. But I think it'd be something that might be worth exploring, like, you know, longer than maybe intended for just one season. But 
we'll see. But I think that's some potential stuff that could be very interesting as the series move forward. So overall, I do like it. I do I agree with you guys saying it was kind of a surprise to see that this was going to be the potential plot synopsis for it. But I think it could work and make for you know really compelling series if they delivered right. Yeah, and, you know, even just when you were talking about, like, a possible time jump or how they're going to, like, age the kid or whatever, I mean, even just the first time I read that, I thought, oh, well, maybe there will be, like, a time jump, like, right at the beginning of the series. Um, And again, this is all just from someone who apparently heard this at a presentation, you know, this isn't, like, an official plot synopsis or anything, but, you know, just the way that they word it here, um, they talk about, you know, the growing relationship between the Mandalorian and this child. And so I was kind of assuming like, okay, maybe he rescues this kid as a baby. And that's like the opening scene of the show. And that could even be like maybe during the Galactic Civil War or Mm. sometimes shortly after Return of the Jedi or something. And then we jump forward a few years and we're seeing, uh, you know, like the main bulk of the story takes place with, you know, the Mandalorian, um, taking care of this young child who's now maybe, I don't know, five or six or something, or possibly even older, depending on where they want to start that off. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I would think you got to have them a little bit older if they're actually going to be sort of like an interesting character with their own story arc and not just like a cute little kid that he's got to protect. Um, but it kind of depends. I mean, also this report from Making Star Wars, they did kind of describe this as like the MacGuffin of the Mandalorian. Um, and so, you know it all kind of depends like is this kid going to be like an actual character or just more of like a story device that like you know the whole plot revolves around just the mandalorian protecting this kid but the kid doesn't actually do anything mm-hmm. yeah at the same time now that i think about it i probably think it will be a baby throughout the whole first season because if you have it like in the first episode you were talking about where he finds the baby then in the second one it grows up to be older and it's a kid it kind of takes away from like the plot synopsis they released for it about, you know, just being a lone gunslinger. Uh, I think that could still apply if he's just protecting a baby who we can't really have conversations with and interact with, uh, but still, you know, protecting and caring for it. Where if it is some, a kid who's older, it might be take away from that lone like gunfighter aspect of it, where he is, has someone with him all the time and somebody's talking to and, you know, making decisions with and all that type of stuff. So maybe that won't be the case, at least for this first season. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to really stick to that, lone gunslinger type scenario they want with this character but it's going to be interesting if we get a casting announcement for a young kid (laughs) down the road we might have a good idea what that young kid will be playing but we'll see it's also interesting too in the report for making star wars and one of their uh set images they have uh, they have a shot of the mandalorian walking like running out of a building there's a stormtrooper out there and he has something on its back and at first making Star Wars wasn't sure what that was. But when this report came out, it does look like it could be, you know, like a stand in or something that would be for a baby on its back. And maybe they'll add some like CG to it later to really make it look like he's carrying a baby. But of course they obviously don't want to carry a real baby <laughs> with that sure. during filming an acting sequence. But uh, that's something that maybe could lead into that being the case where he is trying to protect a baby. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, but um, looking forward to it regardless of for how long, if it's going to last as him protecting the baby or if that's going to be the main focus of the series, just one season, but uh, should make for a good story. I think regardless. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. And then last bit of TV news here, um, shifting away from the Mandalorian um, is that we got an announcement that Steven Schiff is, uh, or was announced as the showrunner for the Cassian Andor series. Um, and this report came from Deadline. Um, they said that, you know, Schiff has been uh, named the showrunner and executive producer 
um, for the upcoming uh, casting series, and um, his past credits include being an executive producer on uh, the series The Americans, which was also like a critically acclaimed kind of spy thriller type show. So, um, I mean, I haven't watched that show myself, but definitely seems like, I mean, I've heard about it, and I know it's supposed to be this great spy show, so definitely having someone who was involved with that um, and has that experience to bring to the table um, definitely sounds like the right guy to have on board for what they're trying to do with this Cassian series. So I'm, you know, thinking that that sounds like a step in the right direction for that show, having both, you know, an, a showrunner who's experienced with, uh, you know, a critically acclaimed, like, spy drama, and then having... Uh, Diego Luna coming back as Cassie, and that's you know two big pluses in the win category or the win column already for this show. Yeah, this is one of those things where it doesn't get you really excited, like the Mandalorian announcements with Favreau and all those <laughs> directors announced for it. But um, I mean, of course, this is just a showrunner for it. But at the same time, uh, I'm like you, where I haven't seen The Americans, but do know it's critically acclaimed and has been nominated for some Emmys. So it's just good to see that Lucasfilm is going after you know the talent that these shows deserves to have, especially in this case, a producer and a showrunner to get someone who's had success before. And that type of uh, storytelling in TV is, um, is good for it. So even though I haven't seen too much of his work, I still think it's a pretty solid choice just going off of his resume and his track record. So yeah, mm -hmm. it should be good. No, I've never seen the Americans, but this is a big get for, for star Wars, just because this guy has comes with a lot of, uh, being executive producer on a show means you're the head honcho. So this guy comes with a lot of accolades and the Americans is a very, very well regarded show on FX and FX is known for having great TV programming. So this is a big deal that they got someone like this and the Americans is a kind of a darker tone show. So this is going to be something that, you know, maybe uh, Cassian Andor kind of has a darker outlook. I mean, then maybe even the Mandalorian or maybe the Mandalorian is kind of darker too. You know, I want to throw this out here, guys. The reason why I bring that up is because this Disney plus streaming is meant for families, but they've got some adult stuff on here because there's a show they're making called high fidelity. Are you guys familiar with this, this, uh, story called high fidelity at all? No, no, I'm not. Okay. It's, it's, it's based off a book from the nineties and it was made into a movie with John Cusack and Jack black. Um, and, um, it's Jack black kind of made his like, kind of, that was his breakout role. Like it, he play, has a very like kind of supporting character role, but he was like one of the most memorable parts of the movie. Anyway, um, it's about John Cusack's character, like getting breaking up with his girlfriend and he goes through all his relationships of why they went, why he's, you know, they all went bad and, and if it's him or it's them or whatever, and it's really adult and they're making it into a TV show on Disney plus huh. and it's going to, yeah. And I was, I remember like thinking I, someone posted like the upcoming Disney plus shows and I saw the high fidelity logo. I went, wait, wait what that can't be right and i googled it and sure enough deadline reported that disney's making a more family friendly high fidelity show it's going to be aimed at families and i was like whoa because like i said if you've seen high fidelity the movie it's not exactly for families <laughs> so i'm a little weirded out about it to be honest <laughs> um, I, I actually love the movie uh, but that being said, the reason I bring that up is maybe this Disney plus service is going to push the boundaries a little bit, just a little bit. Like 
not saying it's going to be FX quality like the Americans, but maybe it's going to be a little bit more serious, a little bit darker on, or just, I don't want to say darker, a little more serious and less, less super kid friendly, but more family friendly. So for kids can watch it and grow and maybe, and maybe their parents can say, oh, you can watch it with us because it's on Disney Plus, but we can kind of explain things to you that we need, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, and, well, and I think, I mean, they got to find that mix of both, right? Because obviously they're out here trying to compete with like Netflix and Amazon Prime and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I don't think they're really going to be successful if they marketed it just for kids. Like, I mean, they're, and you know, you could, like if you wanted to have just a Disney streaming service, it's just all Disney movies and family friendly stuff. You know, I'm sure that could be successful for them, but, you know, they're going for the big time here and they're, you know, hyping up all their Star Wars and Marvel and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's, I mean, I hadn't heard of, you know, that show that you're talking about, but it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to go um, a little more adult with some of this stuff. I mean, I, I'm just, I would expect there to be a variety and maybe not, you know, HBO level of like adult content, but, um you know, definitely like stuff for, for kids, for families, for adults, for, um, you know, just anybody to find something on there to enjoy and just be making, you know, quality content. Yeah. I don't know. For yeah. me, it's like with regarding star Wars and those two series, I kind of never really expected it to be, you know, either like overly more serious or dark or too lighthearted and kid friendly. I'm just kind of expecting them to be what we're getting in the movies, to be honest. With Cassian series, I expect it to be pretty much what we got with Rogue One as far as, you know, the places it went to with that and some of the subject matters it dealt with. And same with The Mandalorian. Uh, it was just, you know, don't really have a movie to base that off with like we do with Cassian. But just, it'll be the same in vain to what we're already getting, I think, in regards to the type of action and maybe violence we'll see into it. It's not going to be anything more over the top or less. I think it's going to be what we got in the movies um, with that. So... Yeah, I'm not. When I heard the when you were talking about uh, the Americans and the type of show it is, um, didn't necessarily make me think that we could expect the Cassian series to be a little darker or more serious than what we've got in Rogue One. But it does make me think that, you know, just what we we're talking about before, how the showrunner for that series is now seems like the perfect fit to be doing the Cassian series if he does that the type of like spy type show and having that, you know, be a big part of Cassian's history just makes it to be like, you know, a perfect fit for it. So I, that's the thing I'm taking away from it. Not so much more if it's going to be, you know, any darker or whatnot, but I just think it's going to be uh, kind of expect to get what we've been getting with this new star Wars film so far anyways, so at least that's how I'm taking it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm going to go into it when these series uh, premiere. Yeah, definitely. Well, it'll it'd definitely be cool to see, you know, all the different types of stuff that they've got on there. Um, and, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see even if they go with, you know, sort of that much, like, like a different range of stuff as far as Star Wars content goes. Um, you know, because, again, I mean, especially if these shows do well and they keep doing different live action series, I mean, there's just so many different types of, um, of stories and stuff that they could delve into. Um, and, you know, different subject matter and stuff. And so you might get different Star Wars shows on there that are, you know, more lighthearted or more serious or whatever. But, um, you know, I think even with the stuff that we've got now, I mean, if you think about it, like a year from now, well, we won't have Cassie in a year from now, but, you know, like a couple years down the line, it won't be long before we've got like Resistance, Clone Wars, uh, The Mandalorian, Cassian, plus, you know, um, 
not to mention like Forces of Destiny and the other new animated project that we're about to talk about here shortly. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of variety of stuff. Um, and I think it's great because, you know, they can just have Star Wars content that appeals to everybody. So um, definitely looking forward to all of that. Um, but then next we have uh, one more report from Making Star Wars to talk about um, regarding Star Wars Episode Nine, And this, um, you know, is just, again, from some of their sources on set and everything. So, um, again, beware of potential spoilers. Nothing official here. But... Uh, but one thing that they talked about in this report is um, something I know that we've mentioned in the past and that Paul is just uh, bursting at the seams to gush about, and that is Kylo Ren's helmet. Um, which, for the record, I also love that helmet. I have the Black Series one. But, you know, we saw him smash it up in The Last Jedi. I was like, eh, I don't know if it's coming back or not. And Paul, I know you're fully on board with like the I want Kylo's mask back. And according to this report, it sounds like we might be getting that in episode nine and not just, uh, you know, a new mask or like the, you know, the old one just back put together, but that it actually might be, um, you know, him having repaired and sort of reforged his old mask, but with a different kind of look to it. Um where you can actually see, you know, that it still looks kind of shattered and that it is held together by, like, this red material or whatever that gives it, like, this real sort of corrupted look that I think actually sounds really cool. So I'm kind of back on board with this, but also, you know, it's going to depend on how they use it and, you know, I don't know if he's going to have it on the whole time or if we're just going to, like, see it again. Um, but regardless, just what they're describing visually here sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. What's that sound, guys? That's the sound of Paul being super like, ooh, guess who's right? Guess who's right? Me. 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 That's right. I told you all. I told you. Maybe you can listen to me next time because, ooh, I'm always right. Uh, I'm always right. Uh, I'm always right. Uh. That's right. So I'm just going to say this right now. <laughs> Uh, yes, this, there's a lot of reasons why you can take this I, to me to the bank, because I, I want to say for the record that I don't dislike necessarily what Ryan Johnson did in the last Jedi. I'm going to make that very clear. I know what he was trying to do. He's trying to put things in a place where it's not going to be going the expected route. And obviously with someone, and you brought this up to me as well, as well, Kyle, but with the fact that you have a, a great actor, or maybe it was, maybe it's not you as a Chris, whatever. One of you guys, one of you, what are you jabronis told me this? Um, but you basically have a great actor like Adam driver. You want to use him in the best way possible. And he's an amazing actor that you don't want to cover his face necessarily, but all that, being said, we have what Ryan Johnson did was, was great, but what we have a couple things. One, you had a huge missing component to, I think, Star Wars, which was the market marketability of having to sell action figures. And you only had Kylo Ren in a mask for like three minutes, and that was it. And there's still, you know, it's funny what came out with the solo um, uh, 12 inch line. 
a couple of days ago, or a couple of days, a couple of months ago. Do you guys remember? I don't even no. remember. No, <laughs> I think oh, it was a Kylo Ren with without yeah, the mask or with like the mask. Yeah, Kylo Ren without his mask and everything, um, or with, excuse me, with his mask without the cape. Excuse me, um, Han Solo. Uh, what's that? Guys, that you're excused. Yes. Yeah, sorry, my dog. She wants to get someone underneath this chair. I'll have to go grab it when I'm done. But um, but anyway, they didn't. You know, they didn't sell a Adam Driver helmet. You know, helmet. Or a helmetless guy. No, they, they had those, but no one bought them. They had them a little bit, and then, like, you know, at I, first... I still was, see them on shelves. <laughs> exactly. So, this is a big problem, is that there's nothing... Like, I'm sorry, but mass characters make are good for mo- business. They make money. You can put them all over the place. They look cooler than having some... No offense, Adam Driver. Adam Driver's face looking all menacing. It just, it just you know... You, the costumes is what makes kids, and I'm frankly a big kid, you know, money. It makes us want to buy stuff. It, for when I have heroes, you know, regular people on it, doesn't mean I don't want to buy or I won't buy everything, but it just makes it a less of a chance for me. And I think for most kids. Now, but it's not it's not for every kid, but I'd say in general, that's the kind of the, the general rule is that the more you have a unique looking, like cool looking character. Regular people can look cool, but not as cool if you put a costume on them. I'm sorry. That's why I always argue with this stuff. Um, I think that hurt Last Jedi, to be quite honest. I really do. And I think that there's something to market with having a costume character. Now, I don't think that's why that's why J.J. Abrams put the, the helmet back. But there's a couple story points, and I'm going to stick to it. You can disagree with me. It's fine. But there's a couple different things. One, Kylo Ren did not... You know, when he smashed the helmet, it's because Snoke was calling him out, calling him a child, calling him, calling him a Vader, you know, wannabe. And he smashed his helmet and got all mad. I'll make this very clear. How long does The Last Jedi take place after The Force Awakens? Yeah, it's not what? even a day. <laughs> yeah, what, a couple hours? So you're telling me he's going to smash his helmet, get all mad, and go, you're right, I don't want to be the Vader wannabe anymore. And in the span of a couple hours, then he kills him, what, a couple days later, and he's not going to want to revert back to what he's been like for the last, what, 30 years? Come on. And so, to me, it makes sense. I just killed the guy who just called me out. He's no longer calling the shots. I am. I want to put my helmet back on. It just Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, it's just like, I, I mean, yes, let the past die. I get it. But I think it's more, it's, it's not because the mask is not the past to him. That's what he likes to be. He loves the representation of Vader. Mm-hmm. What he means that let the yeah. past dies, he means let Han Solo, let that stuff die. Don't let it drag you down. His passion to be the next Vader is still there. And so his passion to put the helmet on is still there. People can argue all they want. The brother past died. You can, we can disagree on this all you want. But to me, the character has always been he's inspired by Vader. And that's never going to change. He can let the, he can let his past die. He can let you know doesn't care what happens with Luke or whatever. But obviously he does because he tries to. Anyway, it's so frustrating. God, the Last Jedi is so frustrating. <laughs> uh, and, and the other thing is, I think from a story point perspective, is that the failure at on crate is a bigger deal because now he's failed. Everyone sees his face. He's kind of exposed himself. Mm. So to me, when you it, when you combine the fact that he's always wanted to be the next Vader. 
And then you combine the fact that he's kind of exposed his true self and that he looks kind of he humiliated himself in front of, in front of everyone. He may want to revert back to the mask so he can hide his true at the true failure of his face and be that menacing person again. So, again, I'm bringing up two, whether you want to agree with me or not. I think pretty solid story points that you could argue again, not saying they're right or wrong, but you could argue for and make a strong case for of putting the helmet back on. So it doesn't surprise me that when you put those, if it was, if it was completely out of character where, he, where like Ryan Johnson literally had Kyler Ren be like, I hate this mask. <clears throat> and then like he, he, he destroyed it. You might have a harder time putting that back on and having to, you know, justify that. But he doesn't. He just gets mad and destroys it because Snoke calls him out. So to me, it makes more sense for him to put it back on and maybe recapture this and say, no, I'm going to pick up the pieces of what I, you know, what I did, what I made. So to me, it only makes sense. And who knows what else it represents? We don't know what's coming. So that to me is what I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm, I just, this is, this is great news. And I think, and again, when you combine the fact that this also is a good marketing strategy to sell toys, bed sheets, blah, 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 blah. This is what you want to do. You want to have cool looking characters. Ray looks cool. Helmetless Ben looks cool. But you know what? Mask, costume characters, stormtroopers, Darth Vader, those, those characters sell more. Period. No, I think you're man, dead, out, dead on on all that. And I totally agree with the first point you were making is why I kind of was hoping and maybe even expecting to have Kylo Ren wear his mask in episode nine for the reason he's talked about was him defeating Snoke and going back to that. And even more so where I totally agree where him embracing Vader and that's all he wanted to be. Maybe does not really doesn't apply to let the past die thing. Cause he's not going to, especially after the end of the last Jedi where we know he's kind of full on, you know, dark side and wanting to really embrace that, power and what vader never got now that he has it could even be something where he, even though he's not around anymore something because like bro in snoke's face you said i was a, a weak vader or vader wannabe i destroyed my helmet well now i killed you i'm the supreme leader i am the vader you thought i wasn't and now i'm wearing that mask again to show that i truly did fulfill what my potential was going to be to be the next vader and that is all great i think that's reason alone but enough alone for him to justify wearing the helmet again but i love the point you just made paul i didn't really think about about his failure on crate and how all the first order saw him his face there and made it known and that could be something where he does this another reason to bring that mask back to give that intimidation factor maybe a little bit like you were saying you know kind of hiding behind the mask because i still think kylo ren and ben solo still has that little childness and insecurity with them to why he would did probably wear it in the first place but exactly. to have that back again and even more so as a supreme leader and just to really strike that fear to anyone who would dare cross them or even mention crate again that could be a reminder maybe to never talk about that and that failure again but all those reasons again it just makes perfect sense to me why he would want to wear the mask again and in regards to how it was played in the last jedi i think it was fine for that movie it made total sense story-wise but i always was hoping to have him get back to it in episode nine. And I think if it does, it'd be a natural progression. I don't want to view it as a step back for the character or him contradicting what he said about let the past die. I mean, he's the supreme leader now. He has the most power out of anyone in the whole galaxy at that point. So, and he's going to do what he wants. And I have a hard time believing he just 
gave up everything that we saw him and his obsession with Vader in The Force Awakens that quickly, like you said, Paul, that's another great point, how quickly things in The Last Jedi took place right after The Force Awakens. When you compare that to, you know, what we know and probably, or what would, I should say, what we assume, but it probably is known of how obsessed Kylo Ren was with Vader for a long period of time instead of that short little burst of frustration. So, yeah, I think it's great. And hopefully, they kind of said in the report where we, they can't get a kind of confirmed time frame, probably is how much he's going to wear the helmet in the film. But hopefully it's uh, definitely, hopefully more than we got in The Last Jedi. And I like the description about that red crystal line kind of holding it together. And they even kind of compare it to having like, a little bit of um, hint of Maul's facial stylings. I could be visually that helmet looks cool by itself. It has like these little red colorings throughout of it. I think it could be like pretty awesome. And there's one thing I'm still hoping for that we get with Kylo Ren in that mask: a pure lightsaber duel with him in that mask. And mm. we all know his rematch with Rey is coming in Episode Nine. And I think it would be kind of cool to do something a little different. Where in The Force Awakens, they obviously had their duel without him wearing the mask. And they could do that in reverse, maybe in this one. It starts off their duel, he's fighting with the mask, but eventually we know it's going to have to come off at some point, regardless of the outcome of that battle. There's going to be some dramatic moment there where they're going to have to face each other, you know, with him without his mask to see the expression on his face, whether it's him being redeemed or him having his last moments alive. We're going to see, you know, Adam Driver's face in that moment. But if he could start off the duel with him in that mask, I think that'd be awesome. So, yeah. Um, this was good news to, for me to read as well. Probably not on the same level as you guys, but it's still great that I know a classic. I already consider Kyle Ren's helmet a classic. It's that good. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come back more so than we got in The Last Jedi. I think it's going to be awesome. And from a story standpoint, I think it can make total sense. Can I, Kyle, I know I've been talking a lot, but can I jump in one more time? Yeah. Um, one thing I want to add to that as well, Kyle and Tim, is that. You know, we talk about the failure on crate. What about the failure when he does face Ray? Because he's exposed to Ray as well, who he is. So yeah. to me, the mask would even represent even more of like, I am Kylo Ren. She's like, I know you you are Ben Solo. So you could even call back to that because you know, he even tells Snoke, I killed Ben Solo. And, and Snoke knows, Yo, you're still are. You had the mask. Again. I go back to like you had the the you go back to the fact that you can't just have Ben be like I changed my mind after like three seconds. It's like no, like I could see him going back and forth, back and forth. That's the whole point, and I'm not in a conflicted way of like he can be redeemed. I don't think that's the case, but I think that like he just wants to. He so badly doesn't want to be Ben Solo. He's just gonna, always going to do the the wrong thing, and I think that's what his character is. And that's why I think him going reverting back to the helmet would make sense. Because again, if he faces Ray, like you said, Tim, with the mask, it would make sense to me because he doesn't want to show Ray himself. Because if he yeah. does, he, he's afraid he might revert back to Ben Solo. And he doesn't want to do that because he's got a taste of that with her. That's so I think, yeah. So I think, again, the mask gives more dramatic feel for it, not less because it contradicts. Ryan Johnson's when he smashed our helmet because Snoke. No, it doesn't matter because we've already have a whole film before that that shows you that Kylo Ren 
is he's hiding from himself. And at the very end, yes, he he he, he he destroys the helmet because Snoke calls him out. He's mad and he's trying to do what Snoke wants him to do because he wants to, you know, again, remember what Snoke says in the first film? I would, we need to complete his training. So maybe Snoke's trying to do the right thing so he can get powerful to be like Vader. But then he realizes, crap, after I, I just killed Snoke myself, I'm, I'm the next Vader. So I'm going to remake the thing, do the things I want to do. And again, because he's reverting back to what he's comfortable with, which is hiding who he really is. And again, that's like Vader, but the, the difference I think will be is that Vader eventually will turn back to the good side. I don't think Ben will. I think Ben will fight it to the bitter end. And I think that's going to be maybe his tale is that, you know, even he, there's some people that and they feel that light pole, they can't help themselves, but push themselves over because for whatever reason. So I think to me, again, it makes more story sense and more dramatic sense to have the helmet because Ray and, and Kylo Ren's dialogue together will be much more interesting because of what Ryan Johnson did in the last Jedi. So that's where I'm, I'm going with that myself. I, I just I just think I want to make that very clear that Ryan Johnson did do a good job, I think, of setting up what Kylo Ren could do or could be. But I think also he led actually, in my opinion, more potential to him to put on the mask than take it and leave it off. Yeah, yeah I, I think... will say, too. Oh, I was just going to say, I I agree. (laughs) Yeah, just, I mean, I, I can see both of those points. Um, And I mean, obviously I'm just more more sort of in the middle on the whole thing. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like I just got to trust JJ Abrams to do it right. I think like a lot of things, this really is just going to come down to the execution. I mean, I love the mask. I love his look in the force awakens. And I, you know, I love seeing that again, but at the same time, I do want to, I don't want it to feel like a step backwards. And I think you can, and you know, Paul, you were making some good points of like how you could sort of have that still be part of his character without feeling like it's just a complete step back. Um, I'm also excited because this sounds like it's just going to have a really cool visual new look to it. Um, but I am just slightly worried that it's going to feel a little... Um, not out of character, but like a, a regression of the character um, back to sort of, I mean, even just, you know, from a visual standpoint, it's like, okay, so he had the helmet in the Force Awakens, last shot, he smashed it. And I think it's not just because of what Snoke was pushing him to do, but I think he really is trying to, like, I think even though he idolizes Vader, he's kind of struggling to find his own identity and be like, well, you know, am I anything more than just uh, you know, Vader's grandson, or can I, you know, sort of be my own, um, you know, sort of carve my own path here, um, you know, as a, a Jedi, a Sith, or whatever. Um, and so just, I I sort of worry about it a little bit thematically in, in terms of it feeling like he's just regressing or taking a step back. But at the same time, I think there are definitely ways that you can execute it to where it's, not going to be that way. I just hope that they that they keep the sort of the duality of his character, like keep you on edge as far as like, can he be redeemed or can he not? Because I think that's what's made him such a fascinating character through the first two movies. I almost think this would be a better idea, like if, and I, I don't think this is a good idea overall to do with the character, but if they were to have him be in episode nine, just like the big bad guy, 
to the point where it's like, okay, like no more character development for you. Like you're just evil. You're just the villain now. I almost would be more okay with him like putting the mask back on and being like, okay, well, let's just go crazy. We'll make it all cracked and red and scary looking and just have him be like the big bad villain now. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, like with him as he is, like with, you know, him being so conflicted and everything, it's like, well, he can have the mask back. Like, is he going to wear it? Is he going to not? Is he going to sort of revert back to the old Kylo Ren? Or is he going to try to move on from that? And that's what's always the most fascinating part about that character for me to begin with is like, you're never really quite sure what he's going to do next, even though he is, you know, obviously pretty well established as a villain. Like, we know he does bad stuff, but, um, you know, seeing just that little bit of uncertainty and you know sometimes you're not sure if he is going to make the right choice or, or the wrong choice or how he's going to react to his own bad choices um is you know the thing that i'm always fascinated to watch so um yeah just we'll see i mean again i trust jj abrams to to do you know to take this in in interesting new creative directions and so can, can um, i can I have one rebuttal? I said one, one rebuttal. Give me one and I'll, sh I'll shut up forever about it for this episode. Oh, okay. Um, but no, really fast. I, you said that, you know, about um, revert, you know, what you use the word, oh, I forgot what word you use, but you said like revert or regress um, back to what he was before. And I, I, I mentioned it before. I was, was going to say again, I think that's the character. Like, I think that's kind of what he is. I think that he kind of, he kind of goes all over the place. I think that's Ben Solo because I think, you know, look at the moment where he kills Han Solo. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, you know, like he, I think for a split second, he really didn't want to kill him. And it's just like, he's back and forth. I, that's what I think he is. So that's why I think it makes sense that he would like for a few minutes be like, yeah, I don't need this. And then he's like, no, I want this. Like, I could totally see him do that because that seems to be his character that we've seen in two films, at least in my opinion. And maybe JJ will come in and make that all, blow that all away. But I don't know. That's the way I have always interpreted it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my interpretation of the character that to me, it only makes sense for him to revert back because that's just how he is. Well, right. And I mean, what I'm trying to get at, because again, I think you do, make a good point there but at the same time it's more like how that's going to come across to the audience you can do it like because if it seems if it really does feel like he's sort of regressing or taking a step back you can do that in a way that feels story motivated or that feels natural for the character but you can also do it in a way that just feels like lazy writing you know like oh we you know people didn't like the last jedi so let's just go back to what we were doing in the force awakens i just don't want it to come off that way mm-hmm yeah, I get that. Right, I see right. that as a concern from some people's reaction about this. It's like, oh, it's, it's almost like it's a back and forth type thing, JJ. Because you heard the jokes about Last Jedi, how Ryan Johnson just took what JJ did and threw it out the window. And now what's going to be, oh, you did that? Well, for episode nine, I'm going to take what you did and go back to what I did. I don't think that's the case. I know some people are kind of joking around about that. But I, we got to believe that they're, what JJ is doing with episode nine is all pure you know, what's best for the story. And I truly believe that. And I was just thinking too, as you were talking, Kyle, about having that uncertainty about Kylo Ren throughout episode nine, is he going to be redeemed? Is he or fully going to go on to the dark side? Maybe that helmet is going to be the symbolization of that, where uh, let's say it's kind of opposite of the force awakens where pretty much in the first half of that film, you only see him with the helmet. And then in the last half is where you mainly get him without the helmet. 
maybe in episode nine, he begins it without it. Maybe the helmet's being reforged and we see it being repaired. And maybe you're playing the movies playing with you of whether or not he is going to put that helmet back on and fully, you know, embrace the dark side more so than he has. And this really makes you know that he has no chance of redemption. And that's what that helmet symbolizes. And he puts that back on maybe at the end. And that's where, you know, we get the final duel with him and Ray with the helmet on. And that's maybe all we'll get. But I think if it's played out something like that, if it's not a good amount of screen time we've seen with the helmet, it could be, you know, a good, uh, it could be really significant regardless of how long he's wearing it. If it's kind of played in that aspect where it's the symbolization of him fully embracing the dark side, which um, depends on if they go that route, because to be honest, Going into episode nine, I think he's pretty much going to be that way from the get-go where um, I, for me personally, I think it's going to be where there's going to be no chance for redemption at him and for him. And if they do decide to do that, it could be something that comes at the very end, maybe something you don't see expecting. But when I heard you talk about that, Kyle, I was thinking, well, that could be an interesting way to go about it where you're really not sure which way Kylo Ren is going to go. But as you're watching the movie, we don't find out until the very end. So I never thought of it that way before because, as I mentioned, I just expected going into it after the events of The Last Jedi, he's just full-blown and dark side and is gone with no chance. So, But, yeah, it's a lot of stuff to think about and go over to how, regardless, as we just talked about, just that mask looks awesome and we just want to see more of it. But there's just so many big significant things that can bring to the story and characterization of Kylo Ren too. So that's just another cool aspect about it when you, as we're talking about it and we're discussing all the possibilities, which is, you know, cool to come from just from a really cool looking mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, they also mentioned in this report uh, that BB eight might have a new droid sidekick. Um, so that would, you know, be fun to see too a new uh, droid character and have, um, you know, somebody for BBA to interact with and have some fun adventures with. Um, but obviously, I mean, the big takeaway from this article was uh, talking about Kylo and his mask and everything. So, um, yeah, they said the droids like the compared it to a megaphone design, <laughs> which might be pretty interesting to see how that looks. Yeah, I, mean, I think the the rumor name for it right now is Dio I- or Dio. I'm going to go ahead and uh, wait to, before I even think what that looks like in my head, just to wait for it to actually see it in person, because right now it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, when you say uh, that, what it compares to is a megaphone, you can't really picture that being a droid design, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I think it would be cool to see like a sort of new type of droid design that we haven't really seen before but yeah that description does sound a little weird so we'll have to wait and see how that actually turns out on screen i mean if you had just told me before the force wiggins that bb8 was just going to be a ball i would have maybe thought that wasn't such a great idea either but you know yeah (laughs) i find it interesting too when in the report about description what this droid's role could be they kind of describe it as like an ugly duckling type story type where you know bb8 kind of takes it under its wing and almost like its parent to me when reading that it's like how much time you're really going to spend on that <laughs> in the last yeah. chapter of skywalker saga it seems like something you would see in resistance or a forces of destiny episode or something short like that so i don't know if we'll go full into this backstory of this droid maybe that's something we'll get in the visual dictionaries and all that we'll get the new droid but we won't know the full you know, backstory is describing here about BB-8 taking it under its wing and how the droid feel like it doesn't belong and that type of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they actually, you know, give us that information if this report ends up being accurate. 
Yeah. Well, also, I mean, who would have thought <clears throat> that we'd get a whole side plot about C-3PO being worshipped by a native race of teddy bears in what was originally the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. So <laughs> you never know what they can work in there. Very true. Um, but anyway, so that's going to wrap it up for the movie news. Um, but we've got a few more interesting things to talk about. First, we've got some developments on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um and some really exciting stuff here. We actually got a couple of little teaser trailers for the two new uh, Star Wars rides that are going to be part of that expansion. Um, one for the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and one for the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Um, and both of these look really cool. I mean, you know, the Smuggler's Run, you get to actually fly the Millennium Falcon. Um, and then the Rise of the Resistance just seems like it's going to be this cool interactive thing where it, like, you know, sort of puts you in the middle of a big space or a big battle between uh, the First Order and the Resistance. Um, and then they also announced that John Williams is actually going to be composing new music for uh, the Galaxy's Edge theme park. And they released a clip of an orchestra playing what's going to be kind of the main theme for it as well, which I have to say, like on first listen, the theme didn't really like grab me right off the bat like some of the more iconic star wars themes but at the same time i just think it's really cool that they have john williams writing original music for this um and even though you know you have certain pieces um of star wars music like you know duel of the fates or the imperial march or whatever that are like instant classics i mean i think some of the music on a star wars soundtrack you might listen to and like without the context it might not be super impressive either until you like watch the movie and you you know have sort of those visuals and things to associate it with. Um, not saying that, you know, John Williams doesn't write good music, just obviously I'm saying the the whole, you know, having it as part of the overall Star Wars experience just enhances, enhances your appreciation for the music as part of that. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'll end up liking that theme more once we, uh, you know, get used to hearing it over and over again as we're walking around in Galaxy's Edge and going on all these rides and stuff. But I just can't wait to actually finally get to experience this and you know, the rides and the music and just the, the visual setting and everything is going to be just like the coolest Star Wars experience ever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with what you said about uh, the John Williams new music for the uh, for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, because I kind of felt the same way where it's not that I didn't like it. It just felt, I don't know, it didn't feel Star Wars to me, the main theme of it. There's certain aspects of the song where once you hear it, all the way through, you could okay, yeah, that sounds like something you would hear in Star Wars and by John Williams, but this, this didn't grab me kind of on first listen, like you said, Kyle, and just felt a little too different from Star Wars. But again, I'm sure that's something that if we hear it where you're on the ride or just walking around <laughs> in the theme park and just seeing the landscape of everything, I'm sure it will be enhanced. But regardless, it's just awesome that John Williams wants to write music for Star Wars no matter what it is. It's like no, every big thing for Star Wars, John Williams has to be involved. And now that it's getting its first uh, theme park at Disneyland, John Williams wants to be involved and write the music theme for it. And I think that's just awesome. So we're not going to complain about getting more music from John Williams when it's Star Wars related, that's for sure, regardless if it doesn't click with you right away like some of his other iconic themes do. But mm -hmm. that's awesome. And then also, too, that those trailers for the new ride, Spunkler's Run, and then Rise of the Resistance, I really, they're real short. I mean, you can't really glance too much from it, but there's just something about that Smuggler's Run trailer at the very end where it's just going to be so awesome to be in that iconic co cockpit and go into hyperspace. I mean, that's how the trailer ends on, and I just can't wait to experience that in person because, you know, you go into hyperspace in Star Tours, and it's really cool, but 
I think it's just going to be enhanced when you're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon because that's the first time we saw hyperspace in Star Wars was through the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and how just blown away. I'm sure everyone was seeing it for the first time and now to be in that in those seats in the Millennium Falcon and see the hyperspace uh, blue light come at you, it's it's going to be awesome. So yeah, I just can't wait. It's going to be here before you know it, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just in December right now, last month of 2018, and this is probably going to open summer 2019. So we're just months away from this. It's going to be really, really exciting, man. Yeah, I can't really, I can't really get wrapped my head around everything until I get there. And when I get there, it's just going to be insanity and a zillion people. And (laughs) also depressed about that because I want to go ASAP, but I also don't want to go ASAP because everyone around me will be awful probably. So I don't know. It's yeah. I kind of know what you mean there. We just like. The crowd aspect of it does, you know, make you pause a little bit of wanting to go right away. But at the same time, too, it's like it'll be worth the wait <laughs> as far as the lines, I'm sure, are going to be forever on these rides. But, yeah, it's just I'm just really curious how Disney's going to handle this. If they're going to take any measures to, I don't know, limit. I don't know. I just have a feeling. Are they actually going to close it off at some point where it just gets too crowded for people wanting to experience this? I mean, I don't know if they're planning for that type of scenario but you know they got to be thinking about it if we're thinking about it so hopefully oh, yeah. they get it all under control for a smooth launch one can one can hope one can hope yeah definitely but um yeah man just like you're saying tim i mean this is going to be here before we know it and uh gosh i can't wait to go check that out but um so aside from that, we've got a yet another new Star Wars animation project that was just recently announced and is actually already available to watch. This is called Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, and it's a series of just real sh- kind of short animated snippets of um, like the Star Wars stories and just characters. And it's kind of like a cool, just like stylized, animated, like reimagining of like classic moments from the films. Um and I mean, it launched with a new uh, YouTube channel called Star Wars Kids. And uh, so obviously, I mean, these are aimed more at kids. And I think they've talked about how kind of the main purpose of this. And I think this is actually really smart. I mean, the main purpose of it is to kind of get kids interested in Star Wars through these just really kind of quick, fast, fun, uh, you know, exciting, stylized, like kind of bite-sized snippets. Um, and for this you know, generation where everything's online and it's, you know, everybody's glued to Instagram and YouTube and, you know, just watching, you know, quick little videos and stuff. Um, it's like, you know, for kids that might not even have the attention span to like sit down and watch a two hour movie, you get them, you know, interested in star Wars through these first. And then they want to know more about these characters in this universe and stuff. I think it's really smart just as a marketing strategy. Um, but also I think these shorts are just, you know, it's a cool little, like, it's just kind of a breath of fresh air. It's one of those things kind of like Forces of Destiny where it's just like it's fun. It's not super serious, but it's um, I will say it doesn't seem like this has had kind of some of the negative backlash that, you know, Forces of Destiny or like Resistance has had. Um, it was because, still out there, unfortunately. Maybe not quite as much, but I've seen well, enough to make. Me let think, me put it really? this way: I watched the episodes on YouTube, and there were a lot more likes than dislikes. That's kind of just what I'm going. Okay. By. I'm sure there's still some naysayers out there, but um, 
you know, I mean, some of this stuff just gets swamped in negativity, and I at least have seen a lot of positive reactions to this from people. But I think they're really cool. And again, you know, it's it's fun, it's light, it's, um, you know, it's just like a little bite-sized animated Star Wars adventure that is a great way to, you know, if you're already a Star Wars fan, it's just one more Star Wars thing for you to enjoy. But also, I think it is a great way to uh, to introduce kids into it. Um, and the coolest thing for me, I showed these to uh, my sister-in-law, who's 11, um, and she, you know, was eating it up. Like I was uh, kind of watching it. Like I had, I had obviously seen the trailer and hadn't, uh, checked these out yet. And I was on my phone. I was like, oh yeah, let's watch the first one. And she like snatched my phone away from me and couldn't wait to just like, okay, I'm gonna watch the next one. And then the next one. And then the next one. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? That's what it's there for. So I need to go back and actually watch these on like a decent sized screen. I've watched them all just kind of like looking over her shoulder on my phone. But, um, I mean, I thought they, <laughs> yeah, I thought they were really fun too. And the animation's cool and everything. Yeah, man, I absolutely loved these shorts. I mean, just when it was first announced, and I was reading the description before I actually saw the trailer, how it's going to be something geared towards kids. It's going to be a great introduction for young fans to get into Star Wars. I go, okay, that's cool. That's a like cool initiative for Lucasfilm to have. And then when I clicked the trailer, man, I wasn't expecting to look as great as it did. I was going, wow, this is art style is pretty darn cool. And I just love the visual style of it that they're going for, recreating these iconic star wars moments and it reminded me right away of like back in the mid 90s when the special editions were coming out they came out with these star wars mangas that was just a retelling of the original trilogy but jarring it drawn in the japanese manga style and i just love the art style of those books and seeing star wars in a whole new way and i love you know, anime and i haven't read a lot of japanese manga but i do like uh, the series that i do watch as animated i've read some mangas on there and seeing getting that Star Wars in that format was really cool. And this reminded me of that, of seeing iconic moments we already know and love in a really cool animation style. And boy, I just got that feeling from the trailer. But when I actually watched the shorts, I was like, man, even though they're about a minute and a half long, I really felt all of these, for the most part, delivered. And I think none more encompasses of what this initiative by Lucasfilm is about than the first one regarding Luke Skywalker, where... You show him getting the lightsaber from Obi-Wan for the first time. And it's all with the original dialogue we hear from the film, which is awesome. But presenting us presenting to these moments visually in a brand new way is really awesome. And when he ignites that lightsaber and you just see that look of awe and amazement on his face as he sees that blue blade ignite. And then you see kind of him picturing in his head what he can do with the lightsaber, jumping around, swinging it. I just thought, man, that's got to be what Luke was feeling and thinking about in his head when he ignites that, even though we don't see it in the films. I just thought, too, that's a great visualization of what all of us as fans, whether we saw Star Wars, when no matter how old we are, but I'm sure most of us and most fans first experienced it as kids, just being immersed into that universe for the first time, no matter what movie we saw first that made us love Star Wars, is that moment of Luke's face encompasses, I think, what all of us as kids getting into this universe had, that feeling of wonder and excitement about exploring this brand new world just with that little bit that or that small moment in time where he ignited that lightsaber I just really think sold on what this series is planning to do with bringing in young fans and creating that wonder and excitement for what star wars can be it's almost like good little appetizers for kids to have where you show it to them like if you liked it boy just there's a lot more to experience with this and then you just show them the movies and this a really cool way i think to introduce new fans to it so having seen these i mean 
as an older fan, <laughs> like you, like we all are, it it affected me in a really positive way too. So I can't imagine if a young kid sees this, if this is the first exposure to Star Wars, I think it can hook them into it and have them love it just as much as we do now being fans of it for all these years. So I think they're just really, really great. Um, some were better than others. I felt the one week one to me was the Han and Chewbacca one where I, I didn't think the use of original dialogue worked so well on that one where it wasn't creating the scene from empire where that dialogue was taking, where they're trying to fix the Falcon, even though they are fixing the Falcon here, it just oh, it didn't come off the way I think they were intending. But other than that one, all of them were great. The ones with Luke, like I mentioned him facing off the Wampa and then the ones with Darth Vader. Oh man, <laughs> the rogue one recreation. I mean, seeing that I was thinking, okay, we know it's for kids. Are they really going to show Vader go all out kind of like he did in rogue one? They're like, yep, they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was throwing his lightsaber, slashing the soldiers, lifting them up. It just looked cool. Vader looks the best in this animation style. It just looks amazing. So yeah, I think this is a big win for Lucasfilm and I just can't wait to see more when other ones come out. Cause the trailer showed some prequel stuff with Yoda fighting Dooku, I believe. And then mm-hmm. they even had some shots from solo. So Looking forward to seeing, you know, encompassing all of the saga and what shorts and moments they decide to go with in these. It should be lots of fun. Yeah, definitely. And let's be real. I just want to jump in on that Luke one that you're talking about real quick where he's like swinging the lightsaber around and everything. Even as an adult fan, if you still don't pick up a toy lightsaber or a paper towel tube or something and do that around (laughs) your house when nobody's looking, are you really a Star Wars fan? (laughs) (laughs) That is a fair point. (laughs) Well, for me, these these shorts are are amazing. I, I I love I love all of them, and I think the reason why is they really capture the essence, but they really do, for lack for uh, lack of a better word, update everything. And um, to me, that's what's been kind of missing. I think with Star Wars, with some of the original trilogy, like. I think they're timeless and I think they, I think they're great, but the problem is I think most fans don't really, um, most fans don't really like, or younger fans don't really know with, 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 with the Ray or what's going with the force awakens and the rogue one. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like a lot of new fans are like, what's going on out here. And I think they underestimated that a little bit. Whereas, a lot of people who are discovering Star Wars for the first time through The Force Awakens and maybe Rogue One, and you know, maybe that's why a solo a Star Wars story was kind of like weirded out for everybody because there was no everyone assumed that everyone knew what Solo was, and they underestimated the general audience of really, you know, I don't want to get into the whole idea of wanting a solo movie, but they a lot maybe a lot more people didn't know who Solo was, you know, maybe or or something like that. So there's there's a lot going on, I think, with this idea of introducing new, younger audiences of Star Wars in a way where they don't have to watch the original trilogy verbatim. Even though I think as they get older, they, they'll appreciate it more. They just they need something that's a little more quick pace. And these shorts are so perfect. When Luke takes a lightsaber and it blows him away and he's like, whoa, and he's doing all these crazy things with it right all the you know automatically, it looks fantastic. And like when Luke's in the Wampa's lair and he like he does a double backflip and like chops off yeah. his arm and then chops off the the you know the 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 cave thing. It totally makes sense. So for me, it's like I'll be honest. I'm going to say something kind of now. I don't want to say sacrilegious, but you know what? Like I'm going to go ahead and say it. I would watch a movie that updated it like this in the same animated uh, style. And I, I think that, too, yeah. 
and, and you know, and this is the thing. Disney knows there's no way they could re- remake this original trilogy without people rioting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't see in any of our lifetimes that it's going to happen. And or even after our lifetimes, I just don't see it happening. But I think in something like this, you could really update the sagas, put them out. Uh, um, in the theaters don't expect a giant return but a decent return because we're all going to watch it if they did something like that and keep the same audio as the you know the same audio from the films or even don't have to do the same audio like from the actors update it a tad bit but pretty much just be a very very loose retelling to an extent where it's just going to be make it like a few more action beats perhaps or whatever but i would even stick to the idea what they're doing of putting the actual dialogue from the movies in in there and just keep them that way to me that makes the most sense so i don't know that's where i'm going to go with it and i just think it's I think it's the best way to do it. And I, I love what they're doing. I think it's really fun. It really shows fans or sh- shows the new fans, the younger audiences of what, what to look for and what to expect and what they can do when they watch the film. So they can see Return of the Jedi and Perstrix back in, in a new hope. And they can go, Oh yeah, that's like in that cartoon. And they, you know, and, and they can get a feel for these things when they go watch the new trilogy, you know, and things like that. So to me, it all just makes sense. And, and I, I love what they're doing and I can't wait to see uh, more of them. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't think it's, sacrilegious to say that you know i mean i would probably enjoy that too if they did a a remake of the movie in this animated style and i i'm totally with you there paul that if they ever were to like remake star wars i think this is the way to do it because this wouldn't be you know this is like supplemental to the original trilogy and it's a way to you know maybe reach kids and especially like you said if you make it a little more flashy or you know a little more action oriented or whatever um because let's be honest, I mean, as much as I I love those movies, I grew up watching them, but I could see how for some kids, you know, especially like that beginning of A New Hope with R2 and 3PO just kind of wandering through the desert, like it can be a little slow at parts. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, again, not that I'm like criticizing it for that. I'm just saying like that might not be everybody's cup of tea, but this could be something a little more, you know, flashy and interesting and attention grabbing for certain audiences. Um But also, I mean, I would watch it just because I think it would be cool to see, like, just a different sort of reinterpretation or reimagining, you know, just a different uh, artistic interpretation of this story that we already know and love without it feeling like a cheap cash grab, like, oh, we're going to recast actors and just make this movie again just because people will pay to see it again. Because, I mean, you're right, like, the original trilogy, even all the Star Wars movies, but specifically the original trilogy is just timeless and perfect and just uh, you know don't touch it don't try to recast yeah, they can't that be remade. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now if you want to recast it and make a new movie or a live action series or something that like tells more stories with those characters with like a young han luke and leia that takes place like after return of the jedi or in between there or something i think that could be something really cool to try out with the disney plus streaming service but you can't remake the movies but you could remake the movie in this animated style and just have it be like hey if you want to see something cool and new and just like a different take on it here it is but we're not trying to replace the original that can't be touched no totally agree yeah another thing i kind of didn't think about initially but makes total sense why they would do this too is the amount of fans that came into Star Wars through the animated series like Clone Wars Rebels and I'm sure younger fans through Resistance and mm-hmm. for them 
those are their only Star Wars that they know of. And if you want to get them into the movies, this is a perfect way to introduce them to the original trilogy through animation. And that, I mean, like I said, it worked on us being old school fans getting us excited. I can't imagine what a younger fan would think of seeing this for the first time and wanting to see more of that in the actual film. So I think that's a just another win for it when you think about getting the fans who are just mainly familiar with the animated side of Star Wars and to get them into the movies. This is a perfect jumping on point. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, um, I think we all really like these shorts. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I think I think it's really cool. Um, and again, like you said, they should be coming out with more of them at some point. Um, and I just hope they keep coming because, I mean, again, it's, you know, I don't know how much, you know, of a budget or, or uh, crew or whatever they're putting into making these. But it's really, you know, even as a... a you know, a, an adult Star Wars fan that's not really like the target audience for this. At the very least, I think it's just a fun, digestible little, you know, bite-sized snack of like new Star Wars content that you can enjoy. But then also, you know, it's a great way to, to bring kids into it and stuff. And so if they just keep cranking these out and just do more, I like I would, there's so many classic Star Wars moments that I would love to see in this style, you know, do, yeah, uh, you know, the death the Death Star Trench Run and the Battle of Yavin and, you know, the Battle of Coruscant and a bunch of stuff from the prequels and, um, you know, heck, the frickin' pod race. Um, yeah. You know, just this is, is you know, just something they can do a lot of cool stuff with. So um, I'm looking forward to more of that. Like I said, these are the first six of these shorts are up on YouTube right now. So, um, yeah, definitely check them out. And, heck, if you don't like them, it's only six minutes of your time that you're not getting back. Like, you know, it really isn't a huge investment and it's just, uh, you know, a fun new star Wars thing. So highly recommended from us. Yeah. And before we move on, I just got to mention too another cool little videos they had on the star Wars kids YouTube channel is the fun facts about star Wars. They have three of them, one on X-Wings and TIE fighters, one on Luke and one on Darth Vader. The Darth Vader one's really cool because it goes into the history of, Anakin in the Clone Wars and you get these cool art styles that we've seen in the shorts of Anakin of from episode two and episode three and then they have some cool visuals of taking scenes from the live action films incorporating that with the animation style so just really cool stuff recounting the history of Anakin in that particular one so well those shoot, are also I'm about cool to go to watch out. that right now yeah definitely it's pretty cool yeah that's awesome um yeah so kudos to Lucasfilm on uh giving us some fun new Star Wars content there um and then last thing we've got to talk about, of course, we always save this for last, um, but, you know, we are huge fans of Star Wars Battlefront 2 over here, um, and we finally got the update that we've been waiting for all year. You know, last month we got uh, General... Or it's fair to say 13 years. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um but, you know, we, we got General Grievous added to the game last month, and then this month, uh, well, I guess technically last month, because it's December now, but right at the end of November, uh, we got the update with Obi-Wan Kenobi and General Grievous um, finally added to the game, along with the 212th Attack Battalion, uh, you know, clone trooper appearances, but... Um, Man, how cool is it just finally being able to play as Obi-Wan in the game and uh, get into play on Geonosis? I mean, they, this new map and uh, the Galactic Assault mode for that is fantastic. Um, I think my only complaint right now is that uh, when it first came out, they had a Geonosis-only playlist for a couple days, and then they had a Clone Wars rotation playlist, so you were always going to get either like 
Geonosis, Kamino, Kashyyyk, or Naboo. And now it's just back to regular Galactic Assault, and it's, like, hard to find a Geonosis match. And I'm like, wait, no, bring it back. Like, I want to play, you know, play that more. Because um, I don't think any of us are really tired of it yet. But, um, man, I think we all got to play on that together, didn't we? Yeah, the first day it came out. Yeah, we, we got it. Yeah, yeah, like and it's, I mean, just... Yeah, I, I love, well, first of all, I love being able to get back in and play with you guys. It's been a while since we all got to play together, but just getting to recreate that Battle of Geonosis, I mean, they really knocked it out of the park, and it was just so cool to be able to experience that again. Man, why when I downloaded the update, just seeing, going to the menu screen and seeing the model for Obi-Wan, just like, man, he looks great. <laughs> just on that front, I can't wait to play him, let alone on Geonosis, but... Once we got it together and booted up the map, man, was I blown away. It delivered on every front just how amazing it looked. It really captured the feeling of playing the ending of Attack of the Clones. And I'll even add the episode Landing of Point Rain on Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Just how crazy that battle was. And just being amidst all the battle or the chaos going on. <laughs> it just really captured that feeling. The only thing that would have made it better is if the match begins where there's a cutscene of showing you if you're on the Republic side, your clone troopers on the Republic gunship getting shot down and then you just exit from your ship and you just go right into battle. That would have been cool, but oh yeah, I don't think, <laughs> but man, just playing on there visually looks amazing. I just sometimes had to stop a blast firing my blaster at droids and just look at the scenery and the foreground of stuff that's in the, distance of like droid control ships the spider droids and attes walking around it just looks incredible man and i was fortunate enough i think this was after we played but playing another match i actually because they were having a thing where um you were getting double xp so you're able to get the hero characters a little quicker and i was able to snag obi-wan for a good portion of one match and just playing as obi-wan plowing through battle droids it was awesome i mean everything i was hoping it would be so yeah, it really delivered, and right now it's just Galactic Assault, but hopefully in future updates, Geonosis will be made for other modes like Strike and Blast, because it's just too good, not to limit it to just the one mode. It's just that good looking. Mm -hmm. Even though I've only played it a handful of times, I think I can maybe say it's already my favorite map. It really is that good. It just, like I said at the beginning, waiting 13 years to play a Geonosis map in a new Battlefront game. It was a long time coming, and I think they really nailed it. It was lots of fun. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I, I I think it might be my favorite map. The problem is that I can't get on it, and it's only on Galactic Assault, and my internet does not like to do Galactic Assault all the time. It's really, really all over the place when it comes to that. But, um, yeah, I, I love... I, lo I love the map. It looks beautiful. It's it, it looks incredible, and it's a lot of fun to play on. I, I would love to see... Or I can't wait to see what the new... Um, a game, the new assault game that they're going to do for it. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the, um, you know, with like, with, you know, blast or strike or even extraction for, you know, hello extraction. Don't forget about that amazing mode. So <laughs> I would love to get something like that going for besides just galactic assault. Cause I love that map. It, it looks beautiful. It's, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, I kind of agree with you, Paul, like galactic assault isn't always my favorite to play. Um, especially cause that's, you know, the big game mode with like all the people. And so, I mean, sometimes it's really fun and sometimes it's just kind of hectic and you're running around and just getting sniped from all directions and like not really sure what's going on. But, um, I love it for Geonosis though. Like I, um, like they could add 
and, and I'm sure they eventually will add, like, at least a blast map and probably heroes versus villains for Geonosis. But, like, I want to keep playing that on Galactic Assault, especially with the ATTEs. I mean, those are so much fun to play as, and I love that you can actually, like, fully control them and they're not just walking on rails. Um, and, you know, just sort of the variety of the gameplay through all the different phases. And, I mean, you guys already talked about just the visuals of it and everything. Like, I could just play that map over and over again. Um, and I think it's just, it's perfect for Galactic Assault. I don't, yeah, that's probably my favorite m map too, um, actually, but I was going to say, even if it's not like my favorite map yet, I think it's definitely my favorite like use of the Galactic Assault game mode as far as just the gameplay and the objectives and all that stuff. Um, and I mean, again, just can't stress enough, like how much fun it is just controlling those ATTEs and just like laying waste to, uh, you know, all these droids and shooting tanks off in the distance, but then, you know, you see all the heroes running around and all the other, you know, speeders and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it just has that feel of, like, that massive Battle of Geonosis. Um, and you're right, Tim, too. It does have a little bit of that feeling of landing at Point Rain, and it also actually reminded me of um, Liberty on Ryloth from The Clone Wars, um, if you remember, like, at the beginning of that episode where Mace Windu's got the line of walkers that are all, like, walking along a canyon, and they're trying to get to, like, the capital city of Ryloth, and there's just a whole bunch of Separatist tanks and stuff that are shooting at them. Um, and, like, on Geonosis, after you finish the first phase where you're just trying to call in the ATTEs, and then they finally come in, there's this point where, especially when you're playing as the droids, if you're off in the back, you see sort of, like, the first three, like, ATTEs all coming down the hill in a line, and you're just trying to, you know, do as much damage to them as you can before they start getting to the objectives. Um, and it kind of reminded me of that, uh, that Ryloth battle, too. But, um, you know, it definitely has that feeling of, like, a large-scale epic battle from the Clone Wars and feels, like, right out of Attack of the Clones, um, just in terms of the visuals and the action, even right up to, like, the final cutscene when you win as the clones and then you actually see the big clone, like, turbo lasers taking down the droid control ship as it's yeah, taking off. Yeah, so cool. Um, so, you know, they, they just absolutely nailed it on that map, on that game mode. And then, of course, Obi-Wan is just so much fun to play. I mean, first of all, I would say he's my favorite hero in the game, not even, like, gameplay-wise, but in terms of, like, him as an actual character. Like his voice lines from James Arnold Taylor and um, just hearing him interact with all the other different heroes and just, you know, some of the lines that he says. And he has so much, like, sort of quippy banter with General Grievous, but then also, like, even when he runs into characters that he's never actually met in the movies, like Kylo Ren, he'll say something like, oh, that lightsaber looks like a child made it. Um, yeah, I saw a clip of that. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like, they just gave him so many great you know, lines that's just, like, totally something Obi-Wan would say. And I can't wait till they get Anakin in the game and we get to have Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting alongside each other and just hear, you know, all the stuff they're going to say to each other. Um, but even Obi-Wan, like, he'll be just running around the battle and killing battle droids and stuff and just start quoting, like, the Jedi Code um, or something like that. Or, you know, he'll be next to a clone trooper and be like, oh, you trained with Rex or something like that. Like, just, you know, so many cool little, like, nods and callbacks. And it just, it really, they really just nailed the feeling of, like, you're playing with Obi-Wan. To the point that, like, I always play Battlefront in multiplayer. Like, I've played the campaign, and, you know, occasionally I'll do some of the little, like, arcade challenges and stuff, but, like, I, you know, it's a multiplayer game. Like, you don't, there's only so much you can get out of, like, the arcade and the, the single-player stuff. But the past few days, I've gone and just, like, played as Obi-Wan in arcade. Like, just, you know, I'll just run around with him for a few minutes and just, like, kill some random battle droids, and it's fun. So, um, 
you know, I'm I'm just loving it. I think they did an absolutely fantastic job with both, you know, the map, the game mode, the heroes, all that stuff. Yeah, Obi-Wan was definitely worth spending all my remaining credits on. <laughs> I had like <laughs> 650 credits left after I got it, but I, now I got to build it back up to get Anakin when he comes out in 501st skin, so mm -hmm. let the climb continue again. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to get the, uh, the 212th yet or no? No, I just got Obi-Wan. I'm up to 3,000 credits right now, so still got a long way to go before I'm able to get anything again. But Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure they'll probably have like a double credit weekend or something like that. That's what I'm waiting for. for. See, or on the double holidays. XP and all that. But yeah. I want the credits. <laughs> I'm not care. I don't care what my level is right now. Yeah. Well, definitely glad that we've got the stuff that we uh, we have so far. And then, yeah, 2019... I think is going to be a really great year for this game because I mean, even though we have Jedi fallen order coming at the end of next year, um, you know, we know at the beginning of 2019, so January, we're getting count Dooku, uh, February, we're getting Anakin and the, the conquest type game mode where, you know, it's more open and it's not so much linear objectives, but you just run around and capture command posts. You can fly up in the, the sky with ships and take out enemy capital ships. Um, I'm super looking forward to playing that, but then they've said that they're going to, you know, keep supporting the game through the rest of the year and uh, be releasing more new content, which I'm excited to see both what they're going to, you know, what new stuff they're going to come out with and sort of how often we're going to get stuff, because obviously for a lot of this year, um, they had to spend so much time like fixing the progression system and, uh, you know, kind of cleaning up the mess after launch with all the, the whole loot box controversy and all that kind of stuff. So really, I mean, this is the first really big content update that we've gotten. It feels like since the, um, like the crate update that we got, like the last Jedi season, um, that came out in December of last year where we got, uh, you know, crate and the space battle over Dakar and we got Finn and Phasma added as new heroes. I mean, this is the first time since then that we've gotten that much new content added. You know, we've occasionally gotten like, um, you know, we got the extraction or we got uh, the Han and Lando appearances from Solo and, you know, we've gotten like a new hero ship or a new arcade map or something here and there. Um, but, you know, this is the first like big content drop like this that we've gotten in in about a year. But I think next year we maybe can expect some more of that type of stuff. And so I'm hoping that we maybe get, you know, Ahsoka, Ventress, um space battle over Coruscant. I mean, those are some of the things that I really would, would love to see. Um, and then maybe even bring back some of the Rogue One stuff from the first game, like give us a Scarif map with Jin and Krennic as heroes. But um, I mean, I, I think they're probably realizing like this Clone Wars stuff has been a big boost for the game. I think this has gotten a lot of positive attention from people that maybe gave up on the game early on. Um, you know, getting to play as Obi-Wan and Grievous and play on Geonosis and stuff. Um, I think they're realizing just how much people really do like the prequel era and, uh, you know, the movies, the Clone Wars series. Um, and I think for a lot of us, too, we just have, like, good nostalgic memories of playing some of those battles in the original Battlefront 2 and playing as the clone troopers and stuff. So I think new Clone Wars content is the way to go for them for now, and hopefully they, uh, they keep it coming well into the new year. But we'll uh, have to wait and see. I think... They said hopefully before Christmas we're going to get an updated roadmap with maybe at least a little bit of a tease of some of the stuff we can expect next year. So, um, you know, if you're a, a Battlefront fan like us, definitely be on the lookout for that. Weren't you guys telling me, too, I forget what it be, but the Geonosis trailer was actually the most viewed 
out of was it in all of the Battlefront two trailers or just one in particular? But I know there's some where oh yeah, they like broke some type of record. They said that the Battle of Geonosis trailer got the same number of views in four days that the Crate DLC trailer got in the whole year since it was released. Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying that just drives home the point you were saying is how much people love that era and fans just want to play more of that and mm-hmm. just how wrong of a decision it was not to include any of the prequel content in the first battlefront that it took <laughs> it took a whole game for them to realize that people actually do like it and want to play in it so mm-hmm. just kind of good to see that recognized and the fans really showing uh you know that we did want it and now we're showing why yeah definitely so if uh you know, if you haven't given Battlefront 2 a try, or if you, you know, maybe tried it and gave up on it um, back when it had all the loot boxes and the wonky progression system and all that kind of stuff, this is definitely a great time to come back to it or to check it out for the first time. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and just, you know, just such a great recreation of the Star Wars universe. And like, it really feels like you're in that universe as those characters playing those battles. And it's a ton of fun. Um and uh, unfortunately, really the only good Star Wars game out there right now. Um, I mean, obviously there was the first Battlefront, but you know we're still waiting on uh, Jedi Fallen Order and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm very happy with um, sort of how far the game has come in the past year, and very hopeful to see where they take it uh, from here. So, yeah, I echo that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amen. But uh, I think that is just about going to do it for all the news stories we've got to go over this week. Um, But before we wrap up, Tim, what's the word out on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff from our listeners? Yeah, so we've got a few responses and feedback from some of the casting announcements for The Mandalorian. Uh, I apologize right now. I didn't have a chance really to put out my normal tweet and Facebook post about recording a new episode and to get your guys' thoughts. So we don't have too many responses. It's my fault on that. So it's just carry feedback on like Star Wars galaxies of adventures and some of the other stuff we talk about. But feel free to share still your thoughts with us on some of the topics that uh, we talked about on this one, but I just didn't get a chance to put the word out. But in regards to the casting announcements for The Mandalorian on Twitter, we got a response from Jeff Fishbach at Porgbach. He says regarding Pedro Pascal, he has the look. I haven't heard of him. Don't think I ever saw him in anything with it. But uh, with Gina Carano, uh, he says he's very about ha- very happy about that casting news. And then on Facebook, uh, Rich Brockwell says in regards to Pedro Pascal, great choice. He was great in Game of Thrones and Kingsman too. And then in regards to the Nick Nolte casting, uh, got a bit of mixed response <laughs> on his casting announcement. Um, Drewski at Android 311, fellow 311 fan, so got to give him a shout out there. He says, oh no, this guy is the worst. I've never seen anyone yell so much on a camera. And then <laughs> on Facebook, Rich Brockwell says, though, um, he mentions Carl Weathers, which I think is an actor who's r- being rumored to be in The Mandalorian, but hasn't had like an announcement on any of the trades yet. So I think we're still waiting for an official word on Carl Weathers. But he goes, with Carl Weathers and now Nick Nolte, this cast is getting some quality. And then Chris Lambros on Facebook, he just put the sick emoji in regards to the Nick Nolte casting. So <laughs> definitely some mixed responses on Nick Nolte's casting, but I'm sure whatever the role he has, they have in mind for him, I'm sure he'll fit uh, the character he's going to be playing. So yeah, that's it for this one. Uh, thanks for the feedback, guys, even though, like I said, I didn't have a chance to put the word out for some of the other topics we talked about here, but appreciate you guys responding to the casting announcements for The Mandalorian. 
Yeah, definitely great to hear uh, from you guys. Um, you know, on all this stuff that we get to talk about. Um, hopefully, maybe next time we can get like a fun poll out or something like that. But um, you know, thank you to you guys who did uh, chime in on this one as well. Um, and as always, you can find us online. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Check out our website at starwarstsc.com, and you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and of course, be sure to also check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that's going to do it for us. We will be back, uh, maybe with one more episode before the end of the year, depending on if, uh, you know, any new Star Wars news comes out, um, you know, between now and then it's still weird to think, you know, we don't have like a new Star Wars movie coming out in a couple weeks. You know, my, know. my heart <laughs> feels kind of empty right now. There's a hole there, but, um, you know, I don't know, do do something else in the meantime, go rewatch some Clone Wars or some Rebels or watch The Last Jedi or Solo or something like that. Um, and uh, if we don't see you guys in the next month or so, uh, we will see you in the new year. And, um, you know, just whenever we've got some great new Star Wars content to talk about. So thanks as always for listening. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels!